All right, guys, welcome. Welcome to another episode of the Walking Closer podcast. This is episode 53, Feminist God, part two. Don't let the title scare you. Uh, this is the second half of my conversation with Zach Yarbrough. Uh, if you haven't listened to part one, you really need to go and listen to that before you listen to part two. Uh, but for those who have listened and you have been waiting for part two to come live, here it is. Uh, but let's quickly review where we've been just to get you caught up. And so um, uh, Zach's story is very unique. He grew up in a small town, West Texas, went to church in an even smaller town. This was his experiences of God as a young child. Um, what's unique about his situation is that his church was essentially made up of just family. And um, so on Sundays, you know, they would drive you know 40 minutes to an hour to church to spend the day with family. Um, wouldn't seem like that would be a bad thing, right? Well, uh, what that did was, uh, surely there were some good experiences in all of that, and Zach uh, has no desire to uh, paint a picture or anyone in a negative light, necessarily. Um, and I love that, because he mentions that several times. But um, the reality was, it did create a bubble of sorts. Um, that's what these kind of environments will do. Um, where there's a very limited view, um, there wasn't a whole lot of room for exploration. And um, in fact, Zach says that if the kind of environment that was there was if, you know, it's all family, if there were issues with the family, if there were things that had to be resolved, these things were done from the pulpit on Sunday. And um, that's that's how, that's how it was. And as a result, Sundays became less about worshiping God and probably more about, you know, maintaining the status quo, uh, keeping things the way that they were, making sure everyone was in their right place, as it were. And again, these are perspectives from Zach as a child, looking back now as an adult, um, and the things that he picked up from his time in that environment. Um, Zach said he was more conditioned to, to see God as this... Awesome, terrible, I think is the words he used, power, that um, didn't didn't bother to show himself fully, but he would just, uh, you know, reveal himself in uh, small ways, little things, um, uh, you know, that like the calling out from the fire and the smoke, um, and it was almost like he was giving you a taste of what it could be like, but it was like a threatening thing, a warning thing. Um, and he, he believes he had a healthy view of, uh, or a, his view was, I think he, he characterized it as a healthy fear of, of God. Um, and, uh, it was definitely, definitely God was, uh, there was masculine persona, I think was the word that he used. And then, uh, so there, there's some cataclysmic shifts now that take place. And this is where part two picks up. Um, his grandfather, the one who established this church there in West Texas, I believe it was a Nolan, Texas, he passes away, and the church essentially falls apart. And there's some disturbances now on the home front. Um, and now, Zach is going to be challenged in a variety of different ways. So, that's where we're going to pick up. And without further ado, here's part two. So... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. At some point, you you're not necessarily running from God. You know, you you you're not denying his existence. Here I, I, knew, go, right? I knew I knew who God was. Yeah. That never changed. But there was some tension between you and church as right. you knew it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about. Just a little bit about you know the journey you took in uh, facing that, and then how that's kind of led you to. Well, I mean, I think part of that process was you meeting Jill, your sure. wife, right? And then I know because there's that's a whole that's a journey within itself, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, but it has been been it has been very um, transformational for you uh, in really good ways. I think. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And so let's let's kind of talk about that tension a little bit, and just kind of how you how you, how that's 
kind of broken down, been resolved to some degree, and uh, how that's kind of led you to where you are now, and uh, how your image, visualization of God, and concepts and ideas of God have evolved and changed to where you are today. Sure. So, um, as I as I grew up, uh, my mom, she she picked herself up. She wasn't, you know, she's never going to lie and say everything was good. But it was important for her to to have a home that, you know, if me and my brother wanted to move there, we could. We were given the option. I think I was about 16. And um, my my grandparents, my, my mom's parents, they, <laughs> they actually bought the pastoral home of the Methodist church in Blackwell. And it was on a Pier and Beam Foundation. So they bought this house. They put it on a big trailer. My granddad did a lot of this in his he was in his early eighties at that point. Late seventies at that point. And uh they they moved this house to Tuscola, which is just seven miles farther south from Buffalo Gap away from Abilene. Um they moved this house there. My my mom uh, bought a lot in Tuscola, got situated, is real close to the school. Uh, so that was a big factor for me because uh, growing up, I had ri- I had to ride the bus and to go, you know, I, I, I just down the road to the elementary school, I'd have to ride the bus from, from my house to the other school in Tuscola and then back. So it was like an hour. Um, so, you know, I, I, had, I had a car by that point, but you know, I could still just say, all right, well, uh, class starts at uh, 8 o'clock. I'm going to wake up at 7.45. Yes. Get there. No problem. Yes. That was super duper for me. Yeah. That was, that was great. I lived yes. right down the road. Uh, but that being said, like, I wanted to live with my mom. I, I knew um, she would benefit from it. I would, I would benefit from it. And I wanted that, you know, that connection. Um mm-hmm. That experience was was definitely a good one, and it was at that time where I leaned on her a lot for you know basically to keep to keep me in line, to keep me motivated to go to participate in a congregation to do you know we met with a small church of Christ that met in a used to be like a general store, but it was converted as basically just like a public space. It wasn't okay. theirs. They, yeah. they rented that space. It was a small congregation. Eventually, they built their own building, and I'm, as far as I know, they're still, they're still a congregation. But um, that was very much like a, a, um, a return home, yeah. uh, at least to what I was you know, used to experiencing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got, a, you know, I got kind of away from the larger congregations again or you know anything's larger than 14 people but um (laughs) you know the ones that had a couple hundred members or a thousand members like i you know i was back more in my element yeah um i was not expected but i was asked to do things for the first time oh like i'd never i i think i had maybe said a prayer and like led singing once as a child but that was more of just like a hey this is a cute thing to do Mm -hmm. uh but yeah whenever i'm a teenager uh, you know, self-conscious and and full of angst. Yeah. You know, hey, would you like to say the prayer for the communion? And I'm like, come, come again? Excuse me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, my mom was very much the guiding force in all of that. And uh, I would like to think that I didn't take too much encouragement <laughs> in order to get there on a Sunday. Um, but that was definitely something that I'm, I'm grateful for because it kind of gave me, you know, it, it rooted me again. And I just, I felt like I had been floating for a while. So I got involved again and um, I was able to watch her And in spite of everything that she had endured and experienced and mistakes that were made and grievances that were never really aired or discussed or healed, um, she was still there. She was still in, she was still in, involved and she was still a part. So that spoke to me of the truth behind what God is capable of. And I had, I had grown up 
and I had begun to ask, you know, over the years that I, I was kind of visiting other congregations as opposed to being a part of them, I, I was kind of seeing other people's perspective and how they how they referred to God and how they viewed God and what they expected out of their relationship with God. And I saw that a lot of those are very different. And even in this small Church of Christ that I was now a part of as a teenager, uh, their their view and their hope and their expectation of a relationship with God were were talked about differently, were were viewed much differently. So that was like a breath of fresh air. And you know, it wasn't perfect. No congregation is, but I feel like my mom got what she needed, and I I got the opportunity to to be a part of something, and and I definitely was was fed as well. So uh, that. I think that was the major moment where I was like, I, you know, this is something, this is something that, that's important to me, actually, as a, as an almost adult, like, this is something that I want to hold on to, you know, and, and granted, um, there were, there were long stretches where I didn't attend any congregation, uh, I didn't, didn't participate, uh, you know, you move out of the house for the first time and you can just do whatever you want. That yeah. falls pretty low on the priority list, particularly if you're not already engaged somewhere. Um, so I, you know, I had my times and and my mom, uh, she would, she was always the one that came and found me. You know, if uh, that was, that was right, right about the advent of cell phones and I didn't have one and I lived... I shared a, an apartment with a guy. He had a cell phone, but there was no landline. There was no way to directly communicate with me. No, you know, they didn't email. So it was basically, you know, they'd stop by or I would go home to do laundry or whatever. So we'd see each other like once every couple weeks, maybe. But, you know, my mom always had a pretty good sense of like when something was wrong or something wasn't right with me. So she would, you know, in, in, in spite of everything that was going on with her and the difficulty she was facing, she would always say, hey, like, what's, what's really happening? What's going on? And I've, I've, you know, with hindsight, I can look back and say those are, those are big moments. Those are huge deals. Even though at the time I played it off and said, you know, I'm fine. It's, it's good. It's whatever. Make some excuse. Like her persistence, her saying like this is this is this is important, uh, not only to her but you know this is something that you need to pay attention to. So, I, I at the time, she was just mom, you know, not a woman in the church. She was just mom. Now, um, having having gone through that, having seen a variety of different uh, styles of church, if you will. Um, having my my missional experience through the AIM program, being involved with Sunset, being involved with the congregations that they are a part of, like having all of those experiences, viewing things from a, from a Church of Christ perspective on the church. Um, I had, I, you know, like fast forward, I'm now, I'm now 21, and I'm I'm thinking like okay what am what am I gonna do? I want to do something meaningful. I don't school and I don't really jive. I'm gonna join this missions program, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna see where it goes. Took it very seriously. Um, wanted it to be wanted it to be a, a a a formative experience. That's what I was that's what I was going for. Is I wanted purpose and direction out of this. And um, ultimately, where that led me was uh, back to Lubbock. <laughs> like after I went there for training, and then I went to Scotland with a part of a te- as a part of a team, and I lived there for a year. And I could talk a lot about about those experiences. But ultimately, I landed back in Lubbock. And at that point, then I was uh, 23. And um, you know, as the story goes, you. You move up there to be with friends, and those are the people that I knew from the program. A lot of them hung around. I'm like, all right, what's what's next? I'm just gonna get a job and see what happens, and um, get invited to a Bible study, meet a girl. That you know, that was that was how Jill and I met, 
And almost from the very beginning of our relationship, she was challenging me on stuff that not not deliberately, not overtly, not, you know, confrontationally, just looking at her and how she lived her life and and how she's how she viewed things, how she talked about things. It definitely made me uncomfortable at points because I was like, Hold on. Like, <laughs> are you are you sure you're part of the Church of Christ? Right. Are we are we on the same on the same boat here? Yeah. Like there was serious moments where I had to think I was like how did you have almost the exact same experience I did growing up? Mm-hmm. What happened yeah. that made you view things so differently? Yeah. Like our families are a lot alike. Okay. But what happened to yeah. you? You know, that's yeah. kind of how I, I, I was viewing things. I was like, what, what is this? Yes. Uh, you know, what is this yes. about? And um, that started a, you know, at this point, almost decade-long adventure for me towards towards the I, I would think a, a radically different approach to how I view how I view God yeah. and how I how I understand the church, what I expect from this experience uh first and foremost i learned to not set expectations on individuals based on their sex and that's something that was just kind of inherent and it was automatic was just man this female that and there was no overlap there was no you know there's never never a combining and despite you know having like i said having the same upbringing participating in the same missions program doing a lot of the same things we each came away with you know very different understandings and you know a lot of it has to do with her her posts high school education uh she is she is well educated she's well read um yet i was i was super curious i mean for one she's a cute girl and the other i was like no i really want to know about this stuff like where where are you getting your material kind of and um (laughs) it's it's something that I, i i think just has to happen slowly over time mm-hmm. because I had been so conditioned and cultured to, to, to just believe a certain way. Yeah. Just to think a certain way mm-hmm. that, that these new ideas, you know, and, and I'm before, before we, we go too long and, and, and she, she gets painted as a heretic or something <laughs> like, um, they're, they're, you know, these, these things that I will, I will delve into here in a moment. Like, They're not outside the box. They're very much in the box. It's just the the compartment, the, the place that I wasn't looking. You know, and that's that's kind of where things begin to to settle in and click for me. It's just like, oh, there's this whole other side of God. There's this whole other experience. There's this whole other place, space for God to exist that I have just completely missed. Yeah. And yet throughout my life, throughout my 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 both grandmothers, my mom, a lot of the women, um, aunts, pe- just people surrounding me had been basically screaming it with their actions. Yeah. Like pointing to it, I could not see it until I had to have uncomfortable conversations. And I wanted to have this conversation because it was about time. Because I felt I had had this, you know, inkling that there was, I was kind of missing something. But yeah, this was, you know, kind of shoved to the forefront and I, and I had to address it and I had to start thinking about it actively, not just, you know, discussing it here and there, not very seriously, only on occasion. Like it was like, no, we have to, you know, if we're going to continue to have a relationship and, and, and have a healthy relationship, 
then we need to we need to talk about these things. We need to we need to explore these things and 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 relate them in a real way, not just you know theoretical. Mm-hmm. It has to be real. Mm. So that that was that was an exciting and difficult time. Yeah, yeah. So help me help us understand. Um, okay, so kind of back up here just for a moment you grew up in a very insulated environment you have a very I would I would say singular view of God uh, maybe there's a better word for that um, I would say that like many people your environment fostered this for whatever reason, it just fostered it. Not necessarily you were taught this directly, but this idea of appeasement um, and a very limited view of God, I would suggest. Um, I think you would agree with that. Um, But this was a very unique environment, um, mainly family, but it, it dissolves and a whole host of changes take place um and now you 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 start kind of breaking out of this this shell as it were and begin to explore and have other experiences um that challenge you in different ways some you know um just new experiences and others challenge you in a very real deep way right um and as a result, no no doubt, these experiences begin to change your 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 perspective of God, um, your image of God, as it were, how you see God, how you view God, um, and so now being challenged by this woman um, to see things, I would say, basically from a woman's perspective, right? Yeah. And you were ready. To engage that, you were ready to investigate that, not just because, you know, you were you liked the way she looked, or you know, you were falling in love, but it was a real thing that that there was there was a real thing there that triggered that was pulling on you um, from the inside, and so um, you know, help us understand some of the things that you learned um, and how that affected you know the way that you see God today now. You know, there's there's been a lot of conversation and a lot of experiences, and I'm still in in. I'm a work in progress in a lot of ways. Um, the first thing that I had to I had to put mental effort into is something that I've, I've touched on and it's not to, uh, the, the, the point is to not prescribe or assume anything about someone based on their gender, uh, you know, how they're going to approach a situation, what they're going to say, how they're going to act. That's something that I feel like everybody does because you you know you say okay they're they're a man yeah. or they're a woman therefore particularly in the church mm-hmm. these are the things that they are going to be good at right. or these are the things that they're going to be skilled right. in or these are the things they're going to be knowledgeable in or these are the things that they're going to want to do and for the first time. I really, I really had to face with this con, face, come, you know, like face this construct that was the church in my mind. It's like, you know, these are the, you know, if there's if there's positions or slots that people get put in or fill, then you know it's it's purely prohibitive, uh, you know, based on on gender, and. Being a male in the church, 
I had felt the, you know, the kind of burden of responsibility. It's like, you know, if, if, if you're one of three men there or teenage boys or whatever, then chances are you're going to have to do something. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to have to do something. And I had, I had felt that in a very real way, but it had never occurred to me. It's like this, you know, this woman who teaches me in school, mm-hmm. teaches me before service in, you know, like Bible class, way more qualified to speak to a group than I am, never occurred to me, why doesn't, why can't she just say a prayer or share her decades of experience in dealing with people and kids, share those experiences? Like, why, why is that, why is that so uncomfortable for us? Because if we look at you know our our ideal church it's a family we refer to that or god's family it's what we are then you know it almost feels like i'm perpetuating this by talking about jill and the way she's helped me change instead of having her you know having her say it and it's you know like i understand this this process and and you're going to speak to her as well but that's something that i've had to had to watch myself cuz i'll get up in front of the congregation and i'll start relating these things that Jill and i have experienced and that's the only opportunity that she gets to be heard really is through a filter is through me so that that started you know like that kind of makes me a little uncomfortable because like I'm, I'm, uh, I, I, I am familiar. Let me, let me say this. I'm familiar with scripture. I'm not an expert. I'm familiar with scripture. I know, um, at various points, Paul expresses that, you know, women should or should not do these things. Um, I, I understand. Let me say that first and foremost, it's not for a lack of, um, of effort or experience. I've, I've lived in this environment. I have experienced this environment. I have discussed and searched this. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm coming at it from, from the perspective of, um, for me, and I can't speak for anybody else. It's very, it's very easy to hold on to what you know, it's very easy to perpetuate it. It's very easy to just continue it. And where it gets uncomfortable is whenever you have to change or you're confronted with something that you can't ignore. And you have to think, okay, what am I going to do about this information? Because for me, it very much came, came to be about, it's like, well, hold on a second. My view of God is that God is infinitely powerful, omnipresent, all-knowing. Why would God equip whoever to do whatever and then deliberately avoid and prevent, prohibit even, them from exercising those abilities that's that's really the question and to what extent are we willing to go to to maintain the status quo like how how far will we reach even though when i think emotionally and and you know on a lot of levels we perceive it we understand it and we kind of i mean don't feel good about it. Yeah. To be honest, I didn't. It's like, what do we, what do we do with this information, and how do, we, how do we approach this subject mm-hmm. of, of like, not only women's roles. I know this is probably how this is coming across and being slanted, but how, how comfortable we are we with 
the fact that God is not a man. That's that's really what it comes down to. And, you know, I've tried to formulate this in a way that, you know, comes from my perspective, and I hope that it can be received well, but that is that is a fact. And I don't I don't think it's it's just in my mind. Like if we as men, the leaders of the church, those that are responsible for defining it, are willing to claim or have the assumption or just the blind belief that God is a man. That is a huge that is a huge step for us to take in a very unknown direction. That's that's my personal feeling on it. And if if we can begin to think in in non gendered terms about God, we will, that's where it began for me, we will begin to see change. If we can get outside of the, the normal, the, the he and him, and view God as an entity that transcends anything that we can imagine, that surpasses all that we can hope to understand. I don't think we can arrive at any other point than God is God. Is God. God is not limited to gendered pronouns. Therefore, what does that tell us about the other half of humanity? And I've already said it in that sentence, the other half. That shouldn't be part of the conversation, in my opinion. It should be, what do we do as a society, as a whole? All of us, as human beings, how do each of us contribute in an honest way, in a non-exclusionary way? What do we do? What do we do with that? And those are the kinds of questions that I've spent the better part of this last decade thinking about. And when it comes to, to speaking about God to other people, I, it, is a, it is a very real struggle for me to avoid saying him about yeah. when referring to God. Yeah. Or, um, or another thing that, that we do, and this kind, of, this kind of demonstrates how eager we are to other things that we don't understand and to kind of put them in an arm's distance and keep them there, is we refer to the Spirit as an it. Mm-hmm. So, on one hand, we want to be super definitive. We want to, we want to call God a man, yeah. and His Son, Jesus, which, yes, Jesus was a man. But then when it comes to the other part of the Trinity, an equal part, according to God, we say it. So what does that, what does that really say about how we frame our view and what is actually important to mm-hmm. us? Yeah. What is actually important to us? Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good point. In fact, um, see, this is episode 52 and episode 50 where I explained my mental visualization of God I actually hit on this and this is something important here um, in that I, I have I don't have a desire to place God and express God and see God um, according to the biological limitations that we uh, that culture has placed on you know the genders as we see it Um I even talk about what's interesting is that in the Hebrew language, the the, the term for Holy the Spirit is is specifically and distinctly feminine, and then the subsequent verbs that are used correlate with that, and they're feminine. And um, it seems to be throughout Hebrew literature, you know, the Torah and other scripture. Um, the spirit is referred to as like they express it in such a way like they saw the spirit and expressed it with you know in 
with feminine qualities. Feminine. In fact, what's interesting, and whether or not you know these these biological limitations that you know, humans have put on male and female are politically correct or not, you just it just is in Hebrew, the Hebrew language, Hebrew culture. There, I'm not here to argue whether it's right or wrong, but. What's interesting, especially in Genesis 1, when it talks about the movement of the Spirit, uh, first of all, the Spirit is referred to in, in a very specifically and distinctly in a feminine, the, the term Spirit is feminine, and the actions are feminine, but the word that's used to talk about what the Spirit did with uh, some of the translations says it hovered over the face of the waters, um, literally the word means to soften. And to flutter, right? Um, and to, as we oftentimes translate it, hover, right? But from my perspective, whenever I look at that and I look at the language that's used to describe God, uh, which it's not always necessarily masculine, uh, you can't just look at the names of God because they were used, like Elohim is used in masculine and feminine as well. Uh, some... Yeah, Yahweh, I mean, it, there's no uh, either, you know, there, there are names of God that are both male and female genders. Uh, some of it is genderless, just is. God is being. The New Testament would say God is a spirit. Um, but in Genesis 1 specifically, right, um, the, the very fact that, just, just simply the very fact that in Hebrew language, they will attribute masculine forms to genderless things okay they have no no quarrels there's no guessing there's no i don't know if we should no 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 they have no problems utilizing masculine pronouns uh, and and other forms uh, to refer to genderless things but when it came to the spirit all of a sudden there is this it looks like a very distinct shift in thinking in imagery, in concepts and ideas of the Holy Spirit, and being being viewed from a very feminine perspective. Now, we don't talk about that, right? Mm-hmm. But what's interesting to me about all of this is that when you get to the New Testament, um, everything is masculine uh, for whatever reason, right? Uh, again, that has more to do with cultural language right. and how, you know. But what's what I think is important is, number one, to know that. And uh, because, you know, Christianity is distinctly Jewish roots. Mm-hmm. Uh, not Greek, yeah. right? Uh, Jewish. Um, and how we talk about God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, how we talk about things, it matters. Um, and how we talk about them reflects how we view them. Our priorities, what we see is really important. Um, you know, and they had no problem, again, referring to God as as masculine. But then it comes to the Spirit, it's distinctly feminine. Right. Could you could you imagine us in in a church gathering saying Mother Spirit? Right, exactly. We say Father God without thinking about it. Exactly. You know, so if, if we're going to get, if we're going to be accurate. We would, right? Refer to the Spirit as her, as she, right? And, and then let's just kind of take that down the road. We are, if, if, we, if we view the idea, there's different ideas of talking about being filled with the Spirit, but we would, we would say, yeah, she fills me. We are filled with something that is feminine, right? And that would challenge some people in a weird way. Um, but what, here's the most interesting thing about all of it for me is when you see God not bound by these you know, we are the ones who created this culture of biological limitations, right? We created that, not God. Because in Genesis 1, when it says God created man, and some people even look at that as saying, well, see, God created Adam, and then he created Eve from Adam, and so Adam, man, is superior. But actually, the word is most commonly interpreted or used to describe mankind, in the beginning, God created mankind in his image, created he, right, he, them, both male and female. And so what that tells us is that the both, all those biological, 
doesn't matter if it's politically correct yeah. or not. All the biological limitations that we attribute to manliness, what it means to be man. And then all those things that we attribute what it means to be a woman, feminine, female. Both of those things came from the same being, right? right? Both male and female. Um, And so what that tells us is that God transcends these biological limitations. And if you want to refer to God as he, as masculine, you at least need to understand that God's maleness is not attributed Right or is not distinctly uh, seen as what we refer to as human maleness, nor, neither females, because what we see as being distinctly male and female has more to do with you know physical attributes than anything else, and God's spirit. So, like you could see the entrappings, right? Yeah. And I agree with you. Like I, I choose to be very intentional, and I still, still, I still do it. But I choose to be very intentional about not referring to God or trying not to see God based on these specific limitations, right? These yeah. biological limitations. Well, and the and the real danger in that is since since God has been painted as so definitively male, it's easy for men to relate to God. Exactly. But then for a woman, they have no direct example to look at, and I think I think that would be. That adds an that adds a definite extra challenge to faith for a woman, and it's just it's just one of the ways that our culture has put them at a disadvantage, and I you know I really believe that because it, so um, one of the one of the things I guess the easiest way that I can I can put this into words and hopefully a concise representation of this, of this thought process. Um, in a lot of the ways, our, our culture in this country and to an extent worldwide, um, is brought into the church. A lot of the things that we as, as Americans appreciate, we appreciate them as Christians as well. And not to say that that's inherently bad or wrong, but we have to be really careful. Because if you, you know, like I, like I was saying, if you, if you consider a woman's role in the church and, and how much more limited it is, it's not as if I, as a, as a man, can't be involved in children's ministry. I don't, I, I'm not excluded from that. If I if I if I say that I'm interested in that, it's kind of like, yeah, it's for suspicion. Yeah, you know, like why would you want to yeah, do that? We need a background check on you. Exactly. <laughs> right. And and that's bad too. Mm-hmm. But what you know, like it it, it it's odd to me sure. that that half of the population has has pretty stringent restriction where the other can basically do whatever they want with little to no qualification. You know, it's just basically as easy as saying, "Yeah, I'll, I'll do that, sure." <laughs> or, uh, you know, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of, of things to discuss there specifically. But where I'm going with this is, um, we, we have this, we have this perception and this perpetuation of, of men and what they are capable of. That it seems on the surface to be. A woman's expectation of a man, but in reality, what it is is men excusing themselves from certain responsibilities and assigning them to women because kind of that's those are the that's what's left. Those are the scraps, so to speak. And if you've ever seen a commercial on TV where it has this man who is hopelessly trying to do the laundry or do the dishes or fold anything, or organize anything. They're this helpless, bumbling idiot that's incapable of doing it. And we look at that and we see like, oh yeah, that's so true. Men are just incapable of taking care of themselves. (laughs) Good thing there's a woman in their life that can see all of that stuff for them. Uh And then, if you perpetuate that long enough the women begin to believe 
that that's that's what it should be about. That's the model. That's the picture. That's the image. That's the blueprint. Because, you know, God didn't equip them to be able to do these things. And, you know, they're mundane, simple tasks a lot of the time. Like, you know, washing your own clothes. That's not, you know, it's not a, it's not a something that needs a lot of, of talent or skill or preparation. But that, in my opinion, that perception of the family dynamic definitely bleeds over into the church. It's like, you know, when, when kids are, are, are loud and, and crazy and messy and gross, it's like, yeah, the women, women need to get in there and do that because men, they're hopeless. They couldn't possibly, couldn't possibly handle that. So, yeah. <laughs> aren't we glad that there are these, you know, servant-hearted, wonderful, feminine personas yeah. in our congregation because we couldn't figure it out otherwise. And not only is that, that's unfair to men, but it's been weaponized to exclude women from other things, in my opinion. That's, that's like a perpetuation of the patriarchy, if you want to put it in those terms. And if we, if we are perceptive and aware of those things, then it will help us tremendously in how we come to our own understanding of what, of what God really is. God never said those things. God didn't didn't expect those things. God used whoever was available at the time. And because of our culture, and not just the United States, but culture as a on a global sense, because of our culture, more often than not, the man is the one that's celebrated. The man is the one that's put at the forefront. The man is the one that's looked at. And and another part of that is women are almost inherently viewed with some sort of suspicion or or it's almost like they have to prove themselves before before we'll we'll trust that what they're doing like you know just look at any of the the old testament heroes that were that that happened to be female it was very difficult for them much more difficult for them most of the time it was them overcoming society's hurdles rather than their own problems internally so what does that tell us about us as men in the church like these women have had to be so much stronger and resilient and courageous and have so much more trust and faith than than a lot of you know like I'm not saying you can p- compare them just across the board but we have to consider that we have to consider that perspective and we have to value the that struggle in in how real it is and it's not just an old testament thing either like you brought to the front uh, when discussing Jesus' ministry, like how crucial, how involved women were, right. and yet, how many, you know, how many lines did they get? Right. You know, how many, how many opportunities did did they were they recorded? Right. Were they the ones that were arguing about who was going to be the greatest and who was going to be this and that and who and all? That? No. They were the ones getting the job done. They were the ones doing what was necessary. They were the ones that had any kind of foresight or perception on what was going to happen. They were the ones that honestly believed. I feel like a lot of the times, the, you know, disciples were just kind of along for the ride. And if it weren't for, for Jesus accomplishing something very specific in that time, it would have, you know, like a lot of them wouldn't have made it. I wouldn't have made it if I'm being honest. <laughs> You know, but but women doing thankless jobs because they knew they knew that it had to be done and they wanted yeah. to do it. Yeah. They could see God for 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 who they are. They could see Jesus and appreciate that on a level that that the men that were closest to him could not. Yeah. So back to this idea. How much do we actually view feminine characteristics? Not, not doesn't necessarily have to be in a woman, but it comes down if we're if we're separating God from gender, then we also need to separate the characteristics that each of us show as as humans and value them equally, not because they're included in the male package or the the female package. 
I think that's really what the what the debate should be about, not about gender, but about about ability and about the willingness to serve and about being an honest and true representation of what God is. That's that's the that's paramount in my mind. Um I am I am thankful for the people in my life who have been willing to reach out or call me out mm-hmm. or come find me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's God. Yeah. And it doesn't matter doesn't matter man or woman or whatever. Old or younger doesn't matter. That's what we need to be acknowledging. That's what we need to be focusing on. And and less about setting some some in my mind arbitrary structure towards what what and how the the church operates. You know, ultimately it's it's viewing viewing the people around you as complete intentionally created people and and being willing to to engage that to encourage it and to not squelch it or shut it down or dismiss it or assume things there's a lot of hurt and and danger in that and we need to be we need to be much more intentional about how we how we interact with people and you know i'm i'm have in no way um, mastered this or or figured it all out. So I'm I'm not I'm not claiming to be an expert on any of this. I'm just grateful to be here and to have this, you know, have had these experiences and have this perspective because now I can do something about it. Now I can improve. You know, now I can hopefully help other people understand, um, really understand God better. And I feel like. That's kind of that for me at least. That was the key. That was the that was the turning point. That was the the big thing that needed to happen. Was I needed to understand that God isn't merely what I can imagine. I have to be okay with with things that make me uncomfortable. I have to be okay with changing my mind and and always moving forward. Always always being willing to have a conversation that's 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 repentance man that's what (laughs) repentance is that's good stuff man that's that's good stuff well there you have it folks zach thanks for uh inviting us into this sacred space to get a glimpse into your story man of course um i hope this has been beneficial to you i hope you've maybe even been able to connect to some of this maybe you've been challenged by this that's what i like to do get you out of your comfort zone right and 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 be challenged uh that's where that's where growth happens that's where transformation happens and so i hope you guys have um, enjoyed listening to this and join us next time as we explore becoming like jesus 